Well, good morning. Three days till Christmas. Are you excited? I mean, the kids are all gone and you're still excited. That's awesome. I remember Christmas as a kid. I have two older brothers and a younger sister, and uh, we knew where mom and dad hid the presents. There was this, uh, we had this walk-up attic, and there was a closet in the attic, and they were all wrapped, but they were all stacked in there, and we'd sneak up there, and we'd look around and poke. And, and then on Christmas Eve, after we were asleep, we could hear them go up into the attic and start to carry the presents downstairs. And once they were asleep, <laughs> we would sneak downstairs and start looking for the ones with, I'd, I'd look for the ones with my name on it. And I'd start to peel the paper back and very carefully, what? Very, very carefully peel the paper back and open it up and go, oh, yes, yes. And I'd put the paper back and tape it back up and make it, make it look like it was never touched. And, and, and then we'd go back to bed just dreaming about playing with those new toys that, that we knew we were getting. We hadn't got them yet, but we knew we were getting them. And I, I, my parents never knew we did that, I'm so sure. <laughs> Yeah, right. But uh, they're in glory now, so it's okay. If they're hearing this story, they know, it's, they know it's okay. But if you're a kid in here, don't do that. That's not anything you should do. Man, it's dark in here. Yeah, you are there. Okay. Um, we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians 13. If, uh, if you need a Bible, the ushers have Bibles. They'll hand them out. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, We've been talking about the fact that love came down at Christmas. We've been using uh, Sinclair Ferguson's uh, Advent devotional, which has been really, really neat to read through and, and keep up with each day. Um, we've been talking about the fact that, that the Father sent his son Jesus down to earth at Christmas, implanted in Mary as, as, as a human being, fully human, fully God, in the body of a tiny baby, absolutely incredible, mind-blowing to think about that, so that he could save all creation from the corruption of sin, so that we could join in the perfect love and the perfect uh, unity that the Trinity, oops, jumped ahead there, that the Trinity shares together. Uh, we have been using this quote from Tim Keller. Uh, I want to look, just look at the last two sentences of this quote. Each person of the Trinity loves, adores, defers to, and rejoices in the others. That creates a dynamic, pulsating dance of joy and love. Because Jesus became a man to pay the price for our sins, we are now invited into this dance of love. We can participate in it. Now, of course, we don't dance very well. We, we stumble and fall and step on our own feet and step on other people's feet. But someday, someday, we and all creation are going to dance this dance of love perfectly in sync. Unlike my wife and I, uh, we took ballroom dance lessons in the, a few, several years ago. Uh, she reminded me we did it three times. I mean, we took lessons three different times. And I, I really don't remember anything about it. Uh, we've tried a few times at weddings. It's like, uh, we totally... Uh, <clears throat> but we took the first steps. It's like learning to love one another. We start, we keep at it. We don't do very well, but we keep at it. And we practice the dance of love here on earth, knowing that the day is coming when we will dance the dance of love perfectly. And in keeping with the uh, 
my, my predecessors, Todd and Christian, uh, who kept referring to popular love songs. I've got to refer to one today, too. And so I'm talking about the Carpenters and their song, We've Only Just Begun. Remember? Remember that? I can tell how old you are by those that remember it. We've only just begun to dance. It's just the beginning. Our text today is 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13. Caitlin already read it, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to notice the then and now language in this text, because we're going to build our thoughts this morning around those two time indicators, then and now. Look at verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known, been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Look back up at verse 8. Love never ends. Love never ends. It goes on forever into all eternity. In our Advent reading this week, uh, Sinclair Ferguson talked about the word that Paul uses here for, for never ending. It means love doesn't slip and fall. Love is steady and reliable. It doesn't collapse or fall apart. Love endures forever, goes on and on and on. It never fails. The primary characteristic of genuine followers of Jesus now and forever out into all eternity of new creation is love. Now remember our defining or our definition of love. Love is the enduring, willing commitment to seek the good of the other person. The enduring, willing choice, commitment to seek the good of the other person as opposed to ourselves. Now think about this definition in terms of now and then. How are we doing loving this way now? You can get a little feedback here if you want. How are we doing loving this way now? Nobody wants to say anything. Depends on who it is. It's very conditional love. What was that? I missed that. Ah, okay. We want to love more, but we're not. How are we going to love then? Fully, perfectly, completely, wholly. What I want to do this morning is to contrast the dance of love now with the dance of love then. I want to encourage us to keep on loving now, but I want, I want us to realize that we will not love completely until then comes. We won't love as much as we desire. We, we, we'd like to love more, but I, I would suggest we can't love perfectly here and now. We certainly try to, we struggle to, but we, well, let's just keep going. I think the best way to summarize what Paul is teaching about the now is to say that the, the dance of love now is partial. I think that's the best one-word definition of what love is like now. It's partial. Paul uses several metaphors or illustrations to, to demonstrate the partial nature of love now. First of all, he says love is temporary. Love, the now love, it, it's temporary. Uh, look, at, look at verse uh, 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. In 1 Corinthians 12, the preceding chapter, and in 1 Corinthians 14, the following chapter, Paul is talking a lot about spiritual gifts for the church, specifically here, gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. God has given these gifts to us to use to serve the church. We use our gifts to show our love for God and to show our love for one another. I think the idea here is that if we loved perfectly, if we loved one another perfectly in the church family, the enduring, willing commitment to seek the good of each other, then we wouldn't need these spiritual gifts. But since we don't love that way, and again, since I don't think we can love perfectly and completely, these gifts are tools that we use to help us love each other better. Just think how Paul used the gift of healing to love other people. That's a pretty, way, pretty good way to say I love you, is to go up to someone and heal them of their illness and their sickness. Think how the gift of serving one another expresses love. To, to walk up to someone uh, using the dollar day's money and say, I want to pay for your entire shopping cart right here. That's the gift of serving, and what a way to say I love you. The gifts are like training wheels on our bicycle of love. We need them to ride now, but someday the training wheels come off. When complete and perfect love comes, we will no longer need those gifts. They're only temporary to help us now. Now is also partial. Look at these texts, or these highlighted parts here in the verses. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, the partial will pass away. Verse 12, now I know in part... Uh, this term, in part, or partial, is a Greek idiom that means piece by piece or bit by bit. Uh, when Martin Luther translated this verse into German, he used a German word that means patchwork. It's bit by bit, it's patchwork. His, his word was stuckwerk. Stuckwerk, isn't that fun to say? Like Francisco. It's fun to say. You haven't watched Elf yet? Stuckwerk, patchwork. We know that our understanding of life and that our love for one another is a piece here and a piece there. It's not complete. It's like a puzzle with some of the pieces missing. We, we, see, we see some of how it fits together, but we don't see all of how it fits together. Isn't that just so true of life? Some days I can love people so well. I can love my wife so well. Other days I'm just a selfish slob, but it's all about me. It's like piece by piece and bit by bit and patchwork. Sometimes I understand why these things are happening, and sometimes it's like, God, I don't get it. I don't get why you're bringing this into my life. I don't get why these circumstances are going this way, and I don't see. It's bit by bit. It's piece by piece. It's patchwork. Now is also characterized by being childlike. Look at verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Parents, how many times have you said or wanted to say to your kids, oh, just grow up? Why do we say that? Because they're acting like children. So just grow up. What's the problem with that? They are children. The funny thing is, they act like children because they are children. Why do we expect them to act like adults when they're kids? So how does a child speak? How does a child think? How does a child reason? Generally speaking, children are very self-centered 
and totally focused on their own interests and instant gratification. Sorry, kids, if you're in here. <clears throat> Just know we adults are in the same boat. It's like me on Christmas Eve. What did I get? I, I didn't peel back the paper on my brother's presents. I wanted to see what I was getting. Kids have little or no concept of a job, of paying bills, of dealing with medical insurance, of, of long-term planning and goal-setting, and a host of other adult issues. On the other hand, adults set long-term goals. They practice wisdom. They practice self-discipline. At least we're supposed to. To arrive at those goals, children are supposed to grow into adulthood, but not when they're eight. It's not time. It's gratifying when they do grow up. Believe me, I was having a, a conversation with my son about uh, his possible long commute to work and how much gas it would use. He drives this great big four-wheel drive thing that sucks a lot of gas, and he had a long commute. I said, and he's an experienced motorcycle rider. So I said, why don't you get a motorcycle and save a lot of gas? And he said, I thought about that, Dad, but I'm a father now. Ooh. My child is thinking like an adult. He's growing up. And that's what kids are supposed to do. But not when they're kids. Is it wrong for kids to act like kids? Come on. No. No, it's just a stage of life. They're kids. They act like kids. They don't, they don't see the future. They don't see long-term planning. But that we move them towards adulthood. Now, what Paul is teaching us here, and this might, be, this might be hard to hear, is that in terms of love, we are children. We are very self-centered. We're totally focused on our own interests and instant gratification. We do not love completely. We do not love perfectly. We do not love maturely. I mean, how many of us have mastered this definition of love in all of your relationships? Raise your hands. I see none. We have not arrived, and we never will, this side of heaven. That's not a bad thing. It's simply the stage that we are in. We can relax in the fact that we have not arrived and that we won't arrive. Now, that's not an excuse to love poorly. Don't you dare go home and say to your wife, well, I haven't arrived yet, so forget it. I'm not going to love you because I, I haven't arrived yet. No, never. Paul would say in the strongest negative terms possible, no, we keep growing, we keep working on it, we keep developing. Just as a child continues to grow and move toward adulthood, we don't let a six-year-old stay at six. We move them to seven and then to eight and then to nine and bring along the responsibilities that go with it. We, we grow in our love, we, we expand and we increase in our love as we move towards adulthood in our love. Now is also characterized by indirect knowledge. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Corinth was known for producing these really good quality bronze mirrors. And that may be, may be why Paul uses this, this illustration of a mirror as he writes to the church at Corinth. And the idea isn't so much to see dimly is as much as it is to see indirectly. 
When you look in a mirror, what you see is a two-dimensional reflection, a two-dimensional indirect image uh, that represents the three-dimensional reality of yourself. If you're looking in the mirror, it's two-dimensional. It's indirect. It's not really you. You are three-dimensional. That's how we love and know Jesus now is indirectly. We look in Scripture. We see him. We see him in his word, and it's a beautiful thing, and we study it, and we grow, and we learn. But someday, we will see him face to face in multiple dimensions that we can't even begin to imagine. Now it's indirect. Now we love indirect. We love Jesus, but we can't even see him. We can't touch him. But someday we're going we're gonna to talk to Jesus face to face. We no longer get to know him through the scriptures, but we get to know him by talking to him and discussing things with him and asking him questions and saying, Jesus, what did that verse in Hezekiah mean? And he'll say, it means this, this, and that. Oh, gosh. We've been studying that verse for centuries and couldn't figure it out. And we're going to look him in the face. And we're going to see, we're going to, it's going to be like, all of us have an image of Jesus, right? If you, just think right now. You have a picture of Jesus in your mind. When we see him, we're all going to go, whoa, it's not what I was thinking. <laughs> but it'll be him. And we'll love him. And we'll worship him face to face. Love him completely. But our love now is bit by bit, piece by piece. It's childish. It's selfish. We need extra help. It's only a two-dimensional, indirect uh, love. On one hand, we need to accept the reality that we have not yet arrived. We still live in a fallen world with distorted and selfish motives and desires and passions. But on the other hand, with the indwelling Holy Spirit living inside us, we can learn to dance the dance of love better. We can grow in our ability to love, always knowing it's partial, it's indirect, it's even childish. But Paul gives us a hope to create a longing for someday. And so the, the, the dance of love then, I would say, is characterized by the word complete. If the dance of love now, if love now is partial, love then will be complete. Paul calls this future time then, then it's a time when the perfect comes. Verse 10, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now, we have to ask a couple questions here. First of all, what is the perfect? What is this complete? Secondly, we have to ask, and I, I'm sure you're, you've got to be asking, when does this come? Well, what is the perfect? A better way to understand this word perfect is whole or complete. The word, the word perfect can have a lot of baggage uh, that is not what Paul means. For example, we might say she got a perfect score on a test. Or we might say he pitched a perfect game. The idea there is that they could not have done any better. That's not what Paul's saying here. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not teaching perfectionism. He's not saying that, that we can reach this state where we can't do any better, that we can attain sinlessness in this life that we can ever arrive at some place before we get to glory. What Paul is doing is contrasting the perfect or the complete with the partial. Now it's partial, then it's complete. 
Now it's childlike. Then it's mature. All creation, all the universe, including us, will attain finally then to the intended end goal of all history. But what does the complete look like? What does, what does this look like? I highlighted several phrases in the text up there, and I'm just going to kind of walk through each of these things. Um, first of all, temporary things will pass away. These spiritual gifts that Paul's been talking about will pass away because they'll no longer be needed. We won't need these training wheels, if you will. Those are temporary tools. They'll no longer be needed to help us love, but but then they won't be needed because we'll love completely. Partial things will pass away. No longer will we see things piece by piece and bit by bit. All of the puzzle pieces will be in the puzzle and we'll see the entire picture. All the childishness of life, all the immaturity of our love will reach full maturity. Our love for one another, our love for each other in the body of Christ will be fully mature and complete with no hints of selfish motives. Can you even imagine such a thing? Perfect love, complete love. Our knowledge will no longer be indirect, but we'll see Jesus face to face and commune with him. We will know him fully, even as Jesus already knows us fully. And we will love him and we will love one another fully, even those irritating relatives that are coming over for Christmas. You will love them fully, completely. Again, just, just just to reiterate this, imagine being in face-to-face conversation with Jesus, being fully known, knowing him fully, loving him completely. We no longer communicate with him through through prayer and Bible reading like we do now, so indirect, so two-dimensional. Then it'll be multi-dimensional beyond what we can imagine. I think it'll go way beyond three dimensions. I don't understand all that stuff, but, you know, is there a million dimensions out there? Uh, That's what heaven will be like. So the second question we have to ask is, when does the complete, when does the perfect come? I was discussing this with Dawn this week, and almost through tears of frustration, she goes, yeah, but when does this come? When? Like, hurry up. Like kids that just can't wait to open those presents on Christmas morning. If you have little kids, I'm sure they've been saying, is Christmas today? Is it tomorrow? Is it already? Is it yet? Is Christmas now? Is it coming soon? Is it soon? Is it now? Is it tomorrow? They just can't wait. When is Christmas? In the same way as children in this world of partial love, we long for then, but we simply do not know when then, when things will be made complete. We don't know when. But we know that it is the culmination of all history, when all things will be made right. It's the new creation. God doesn't give us a date and a time, but he gives us hope that this reality is coming. And hope, biblically, biblically, hope is absolute certainty. We know this is coming. We know then is coming. We know it will be what everything that Paul describes and Scripture describes. And so we have that hope to hang on to. He also gives us the ability to believe it, or he gives us the ability to believe it by faith, Because it's a certain hope, but we still have to have faith to believe that is coming. 
We don't see it. We can't touch it. We believe it by faith. But really, it's all about love. Look at the last verse of this text. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So at least in one sense, faith and hope will continue. But then, in the then, faith will be sight. Because we will see, we will no longer need faith because we will see the reality. Hope will be fulfilled. We no longer have this absolute certainty that things are coming because they will have come. In our Advent reading this week, Ferguson defined hope as having an underlying confidence that God will do exactly what he promised even when life is at its worst. That's hope, this underlying confidence that God will do what he promised. That hope is a great comfort now. But we won't really need it then because God will have already done all that he promised. It'll be completed. Faith and hope in the new creation will be a bit redundant because hope will be fulfilled and faith will be sight. But love will continue on. Love will never be redundant. Love will never be unnecessary. Love will never be irrelevant. Love will be the defining mark of the fulfilled kingdom for all eternity. It seems that love for our Lord and love for one another in new creation will continue to grow and expand and mature and get richer and fuller forever and ever as we learn to dance in completeness and in intimacy. Love is not static. Love is dynamic. But we aren't there yet. That's then. Man, do we long for it, right? Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But we're not there yet. The love that we have for God and the love that we have for one another is still incomplete. It's still partial. It's still piece by piece, bit by bit, indirect, two-dimensional. But we need to be constantly practicing our damn steps steps of love by by seeking to live this definition of love here and now, by making that enduring, willing commitment to seek the good of the other person. Until the day comes where we will perfectly, completely realize it. Some of my favorite gifts when I was a boy were G.I. Joe's. The ones from the 1960s. If you know what I mean, you're as old as I am. Uh, G.I. Joe's, they were the 12-inch action figures, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. They had real cloth clothes with real buttons and real snaps. You'd get mess kits and canteens and tents and backpacks and skis and all kinds of stuff. It 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 was my childhood. I got online this week just to look up and clarify some of the things. Oh, I just all came back. I would ask for more G.I. Joe stuff every year. Every year for Christmas. I want this kit, this kit, this kit, this kit. One year I got the Mercury space capsule with the space suit and the inflatable raft. I still have it. <laughs> Somewhere. Goes for 160 bucks on eBay, so. I remember as we snuck downstairs in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, peeling back the wrapping paper. 
and seeing what new G.I. Joe stuff I was getting. I couldn't enjoy it yet, though. I could imagine. I could dream. There was great expectation as I climbed back in bed thinking, oh, I'm going to get that set tomorrow. But I couldn't play with it yet. I couldn't wait for the next day when I could experience it completely and open it all up. But not yet. We're living in the not yet. We can imagine it, what it'll be like when, when, when the complete comes. God has allowed us to peel back some of the, the wrapping paper on the future so we can see what's coming. He's given us glimpses and hints and longings, and we see this, ah, I can't wait. It's going to be so much better than what I see, but I see enough that I can't wait. But now, it's still partial. We're still kids. And so until then comes, we keep dancing. We keep loving. We keep practicing and growing and improving in our love for one another. While we eagerly await the day when the perfect, the complete, the whole comes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for the absolute certainty, the absolute guarantee that that all of what we see is coming. All of what we hope for is certain. We believe it by faith. And we know that in that, in that future then, love will be complete. Even as it grows and, and matures and gets fuller and richer throughout all eternity. Lord, may we live in light of the love that you've given us. May we love one another and keep growing in our love for one another with that selfless, enduring commitment to seek the good of the other person. Even as we long for what's coming. So this week, as we celebrate your birth, lots of activities, lots of family, lots of friends, lots of parties and goings on, may we never forget that you came as a baby in the manger to bring us what's coming in the then, when you restore all things back as you intended them to be. Thank you in Jesus' name.